0: Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com slash SME today. Again, agorapulse.com slash SME. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. We believe that with smart marketing, you can compete with the largest players in your industry. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who wanna know what works with social media. Today, I'm gonna be joined by Jade Beeson, and we'll explore how to develop Instagram superfans. If your Instagram account is just not serving your business objective, you're marketing, but it's just not working for you, this is the episode for you. By the way, I am at Stelzner on Instagram. And if you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow this show so you don't miss any of our future content. Is your blog missing out on valuable Google search traffic? Are you spending hours creating amazing content and you get crickets? You need a guide, someone to help you discover actionable SEO and traffic building tactics that actually work. And your solution is the Blogging Millionaire Podcast with Brandon Gailey. Brandon gets more than 5 million monthly visitors from over 100,000 first page Google rankings. He knows what he's talking about. When you apply what you'll learn, you'll start to see every blog post compete for a first page ranking. You'll get tons of free traffic and start to see your business head in the right direction with every post you make. His listeners have gone from 10,000 to 100,000 visitors a month using his techniques. Open your podcast app right now and do a search for Blogging Millionaire to find Brandon's show. Then follow his podcast and commit to downloading the last five episodes. The show has had more than five. 100 five-star ratings. You support this show by checking out our sponsors. And now for this week's interview with Jade Beeson. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Jade Beeson. If you don't know who Jade is, she's an Instagram marketing strategist and the author of the Influencer Hustle Kit, Her course is called Next Level IG Academy, and her membership is called The Creators Club. Jade, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm super, super excited to be here.
0: Today, Jade and I are going to explore how to cultivate super fans on Instagram. But before we go there, Jade, I would love to hear your story. How did you get started with Instagram? Start wherever you want to start.
1: Okay, amazing. I'm going to start from the beginning. So I have always wanted to be an entrepreneur for as long as I can remember. And I had a specific interest in marketing. So I went off to university 2011. studied marketing, designer communications. I then graduated, got a job straight away. In fact, I think I was working before I'd even technically graduated. (laughs) I took no break, started working straight away. And I worked in a variety of different marketing roles for about eight years. So towards the end of that eight years, I landed myself in partnership marketing roles. So it was very much about partnering these huge household brands with like influencers and celebrities and, you know, sports clubs and festivals and stuff like that. It was a really cool Job. However, unbeknownst to most people, and when I say most people, I mean literally everyone in my life apart from maybe two people, throughout those entire eight years, I was always trying to start my own businesses. So I had a clothing company, I had a candle company, I had a print company. Um, as you can tell, I'm talking about these in past tense, so you can probably guess they weren't successful. Um, I spent a lot of time trying to get these companies off the ground. I spent and got myself in about £15,000 worth of debt. So that was fun. That's even more if we translate it to dollars. So let's just leave it as pounds just to make myself feel a bit better. Um, <laughs> <Okay>. So <laughs> I racked up a fair amount of debt trying to get these companies off the ground. And I kind of got to this point in, it was in 2019 where I gave myself a break because I was getting quite stressed, as I'm sure you can imagine. And during this break, I had a bit of an epiphany, not to sound dramatic, but I was just had this moment where I was like, hold on. I spent four years studying marketing. I then worked in marketing for years. Like My day job, and I'm sure so many of your audience can relate to this, Like my day job was literally me building the brands of other people and helping them sell their products using various different marketing channels. So I had all this knowledge and experience that I wasn't using to build my own brands. And for the life of me, I could not tell you why I wasn't doing that. I think Maybe it was like a compartmentalization thing where I didn't want the two to cross over. But for whatever reason, I was not utilizing all of this experience and all of this knowledge that I'd gained over the past like 12 years.
0: Let me pause you for there for a second and ask a couple of clarifying questions. So when you went to college, were you studying social marketing or was that before that was even a thing?
1: So when I was studying marketing, design and communications, so... Social media marketing actually came in as one of my modules in my like last year, because prior to that, it was still a bit of an unknown. It was a weird time, like it existed. But I guess, you know, when it comes to a degree.
0: Yeah, it was emerging. Yeah, yeah.
1: translates into a degree. So it was mentioned. I had one module on it, but it wasn't huge.
0: What about when you went on to work for these other businesses? Were you doing mostly social media marketing or are you doing other kinds of marketing? I'm just curious.
1: Yeah, so I moved around a lot. I was one of those people. I basically moved every year for about five years. So I started doing digital marketing and that was actually really kind of tech focused. I was doing a lot around display kind of advertising. And then I moved into more broad advertising for a big company in the UK. And during that role, I was doing a lot of social media stuff. Then I moved into sponsorship marketing and then I landed in kind of partnership marketing. So I saw quite a few different angles of it, which I'm very grateful for now because I feel like it gave me a real well-rounded view on the industry. But yeah, I moved around quite a lot.
0: So when you say sponsorship and partnership... Mm -hmm. Does that mean like trade shows or what does that mean exactly just because or does that mean influencer marketing? I'm just curious what you mean by those two.
1: Yeah. So it's a really good question because it's a bit of this like unknown um, (laughs) part of marketing. So. Sponsorship and partnership marketing is very much about quite literally partnering brands with other entities what have some form of credibility or influence. So uh-huh. sometimes that meant I was working with a big bank to partner them with a cycling star, or maybe I was working with someone else to partner them with a the musician, or maybe I was working with another brand to partner them with influencers. Sometimes it was football clubs. It was quite varied, but it was very much the process of kind of partnering one brand with another brand, whether personal or kind of a big business and kind of helping them join forces.
0: So it's 2019. You've developed quite a wide range of marketing experience and you had an epiphany. You're not applying (laughs) what you've learned to your own businesses. So keep going with the story.
1: Yeah, so I had that epiphany and I was like, right, okay, I'm going to give it a go again. I'm going to start another business and I'm going to do it properly this time. I'm going to focus on the areas that I enjoyed the most from all of my experience, but also the ones that I felt I was best at. So I started a swimwear boutique and I focused on working with influencers and promoting the brand through Instagram marketing because those were the elements that I felt the most confident in and the ones that I felt like I could really master. And it worked.
0: Was it an online or physical store? I'm just curious.
1: Yeah, it was online. Um, it was actually really funny because it was such a good idea at the time. And then obviously in 2019, I think we all know what happened shortly after 2019, right. um, the pandemic hit. And, you know, I live in England and anyone who lives in England knows that you're not buying swimwear if you can't travel. Right. Like, It does not get hot enough here to be buying swimwear. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's a really good point. Yeah. I'm in San Diego, so I don't even know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. Okay. Good point. So you were selling mostly to your local marketplace online is what I'm hearing you say, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. It was a completely online business model, but it worked up until the pandemic hit and then it was still working, but it was very slow because obviously people weren't traveling much anymore. So I decided, okay, well, I did this once I'm going to do it again. And I started another company, which was a bag boutique. It was non-seasonal. So it was a lot easier for me to manage in the wake of the pandemic. And that one worked again.
0: Bag as in luggage or as in purse? I'm just curious what you mean by bag. It was
1: in like purse. It was very much accessories. It was a very much fashion accessory brand. Okay, cool. Yeah, it was really cool. And that one worked as well. It was the same tactics and stuff like that. And it worked. And then I started another one. This one was a bit different, but I was on a bit of a roll here and I was getting really excited by the fact that I was trying these things and it was working. So this time I partnered up with my other half, um, who's now my fiance, and He works in the same company as as I did um, for a few years, which is always a bit weird. But, you know, we got through it and we have very similar skill set. And we were basically like, well, hold on. We know what brands are looking for when they try to hire influencers. We know how to pitch to brands. We know how to build a social following. Like, why don't we create our own account and work with brands on it? So we did. We did that. And after a few months, we were working with brands like MasterCard and we'd wrapped up we didn't even have a huge following it was a few thousand but because we had all this experience in how to monetize it seeing it from the other side we kind of utilized all that experience and and managed to make it work so we're now in 2020 and i now have three businesses and a full-time job <laughs> as you can imagine was super tiring and then i got put on furlough so which in hindsight was potentially a blessing in disguise because i was struggling to keep up with it all but I was put on furlough and it really gave me some time to kind of reflect on what it is I was doing because I felt like I had kind of stumbled across this formula of how to really utilize Instagram to, you know, create a business, to diversify your income streams, to promote a product. And I felt like when I was looking for this advice before, you know, I spent years trying to do this myself previously, I found amazing people with great advice, but the advice just wasn't working for me. And I was looking for this advice on YouTube, on you know, Instagram, and I didn't find what I needed. But not only that, the people who are following who were incredible and I still follow to this day, I noticed very quickly that there was a bit of a gap in terms of who was talking about this stuff online. So there wasn't really many people who kind of looked like me or sounded like me who were talking about this stuff. And obviously, we're on a podcast, so there might be people listening and thinking, well, what does she look like? But I am a Black woman and I'm from Britain, as I'm sure you can guess from my accent. And I didn't see a huge amount of people who were from England talking about this stuff, or, you know, females or Black people or people from minority backgrounds. And I just kind of felt that. I had a bit of a duty here to not only share what I had learned through my own mistakes and successes, but also to fill a bit of a representation gap there. Nice. Yeah. So that was my real kind of motivation behind starting my YouTube channel and my Instagram channel and this whole brand, which is what I did in November 2020.
0: Yeah. And I found you through your YouTube channel because you do amazing Mm. work on your YouTube channel. (laughs) Thank you. So what are you doing now? Where are you at today?
1: Yeah. So well, I so I started this whole brand in November 2020. And within nine months, it had grown to the point where I could quit my full time job. Um, I even quit my other businesses as well just to focus on this one. And I'm now at the point where my YouTube channel has, I think, about 45,000 subscribers in under a year. My Instagram has, I think, about 11,000, almost 12,000 followers on it. And I've built this entire business where I spend my entire day just helping entrepreneurs and content creators grow their online presence and, you know, create profitable businesses. And that is basically how I ended up where I am today.
0: (laughs) Awesome. And that's how you ended up on this show. So congratulations. Great work. (laughs) So let's talk about my next question, which is advocates. And we're going to get into, you know, advocates. Well, maybe you can just describe what is an advocate mm-hmm. in your book, very simply said, and then why are they so important on Instagram?
1: Yeah, of course. So I actually love this word advocate. I feel like I like to use it like I've made it up, even though I'm completely aware that the, the term existed long before I did. Um, but I absolutely love it. And basically, in a general marketing sense, an advocate is a person who publicly recommends your products or services, right? And when I'm talking about advocates in like an Instagram marketing sense, I think about it as a person who supports your content and recommends it to others. So that's truly who I see um, your advocate being. It's someone who doesn't just follow you because they like your content. They follow you because they like you and your brand and you know what you stand for. So they're a real true follow up
0: they're going to stand, advocate almost means I'm going to stand up for you, right? Mm, yeah. Like, I'm going to say that Jade Beeson is legit. I'm advocating on Jade's mm. behalf, right? And yeah, that's what I love about that word. Like, it sounds like it's like more of a legal word or something like that, but I love it a lot. So why is it so important on Instagram? Talk to us about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, I see there's kind of two key reasons why I feel like advocates are super important. So, The first, and I'm sure a lot of your audience can definitely understand this, it's the first reason why advocates are super important is because advocates allow you to unlock the power of word of mouth, um, which we all know is such an effective marketing channel. And it's something what can be very difficult for us to actually, you know, purposely create. But advocates create that for you. So when you've spent the time to nurture your audience to the point where you have a group of people who are actually advocates of your brand and of your channel, they will do the word of mouth for you. They will tell their friends, they will share links to your content, they will share your content on their stories, and they'll really promote your content and your channel out there for you so that, you know, you don't really have to. You're, of course, still going to do it yourself, but your advocates are actually going to be the core drivers of the word of mouth of your
0: channel. Well, and I love this because if we think about the way the algorithm works on Instagram, it seems as if the Instagram algorithm and Facebook in general doesn't like it when we organically promote stuff, right? They're like, "Mm -mm, that should be an ad. But if your brand is just constantly promoting stuff on the channel organically, then I would imagine you're not going to have nearly as much reach as activating your fans to do it on your behalf, right? And That's going to get you more exposure, more eyeballs, ultimately more traffic to whatever it is you're selling. And I don't know. I mean, I just feel like it's kind of a natural, like you said, word of mouth thing. We all want that, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, another point which I like to remind kind of my clients and the members of my membership club when it comes to advocates is that they really are the key to having a really high quality audience. And I know this is just something that people always say, but I, I truly am someone who believes in the quality of your audience versus the quantity, right? And even though a lot of people will say, you know, if I ask them, what are their goals for their for their Instagram account? They'll say, I need X amount of followers and I want to grow by X amount. When you really dig deep, the reason why people want to grow and their true primary objective of their Instagram account isn't just to have followers. It's to have people who buy from them. It's to have a community. It's to have these deeper things, what you really need advocates for and not just people who kind of silently consume your content.
0: I love this and I just want to re echo this because, you know, yes, numbers at a macro level seem to matter, but big numbers don't mean squat. You know, like we have big numbers at Social Media Examiner, for example, on Facebook, we have 600,000 or whatever crazy the number is, but it doesn't mean anything if they're not seeing your content, they're not engaging with your content, and they're not taking the actions that you want. It's technically a vanity metric when it gets to be that high. What matters the most is to have highly engaged people that will advocate on your behalf, share your stuff, buy your stuff, right? So we as marketers often are judged by other people by the numbers, right? So like when you said you had 11,000 followers on Instagram, some people thought to themselves, that's it. But now it's like, well, wait a second. If those are the right 11,000 people, that could be massive, right? Mm -hmm. And that's how we have to think about this, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And do you know what? It's such a good example. One of the first businesses that I created, I grew the Instagram account for it. It was in the tens of thousands before I even launched a product. And I then launched the products and it was absolute crickets. I had obtained this huge audience of people who just weren't the right audience and it was really tough for me to sell stuff. Forward to some of my recent businesses that I had that actually worked. I mean. One of them, I started selling the products when I had a couple hundred followers. I hadn't even got to a few thousand yet. And I was selling and it got to the point where, again, I had maybe the most followers I ever had on one of those accounts was probably around 5,000. But every time I posted a product, it would sell. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: We spent some good time talking about why advocates are so important. And I think intuitively everybody understands we all want this. So what's the strategy? What's your strategy specifically for creating these advocates or super fans on Instagram. Let's start it with a high level overview of your strategy and then we'll dig into like the tenants of it.
1: Yeah. Amazing. Okay. So my strategy is called the triple C funnel, right? So if you think about your kind of traditional consumer purchase funnel, which I'm sure a lot of people listening will be nodding along, but for anyone who doesn't know what I'm talking about, it's basically that funnel, you've got a picture, an actual funnel in your mind, the funnel, which basically shows the process of someone who is a brand new person to your brand, moving through it all the way to the bottom of the funnel where they actually become a customer of your brand and they actually purchase from you. So it's moving them through awareness, through consideration and all of that. So my method is essentially my Instagram marketing twist on it, which I'm calling the triple C funnel. And there's three core elements to it. So at the top, it's about capturing the attention of your ideal audience. The middle is about moving those people who you've just captured the attention of and actually conversing with them, nurturing that relationship, bringing them into you and your brand and your business. And then the bottom is the convert section. So this can mean different things to different people. But for the sake of this conversation, this is all about converting those people from just passers-by to actually advocates of your channel. So they actually convert them to the point where they now not only follow you, but they love your content and they want to shout about it to all of their friends and family.
0: Okay. So it's called the triple C, CCC, if you will, capture Mm -hmm. and then converse and then convert. Now, let me ask you this question before we dig into each of these three things. Do you feel like this could work for any size Instagram account?
1: Yes, I do. And that's such a good question. And the reason why this can work for any size Instagram account is because using this funnel and almost picturing your content or grouping your content based on these three stages of the funnel will allow you to ensure that you are consistently capturing the attention of new people, conversing with them and converting them, but it's moving on a bit of a rolling basis. So that will work regardless of how big or how small your channel is. And an example of this, because I've taught this to quite a few of my different clients now, is when I look at some of my clients' channels, when they first come to me, I can see, for example, they might come to me and say, do you know what? I'm really struggling to get anyone to buy from me. And I will look at their content and I will see that almost all of their content is focused on the bottom end of that funnel. So all of their content is focused on conversion, right? So because they're ignoring the capture section and the converse section, they're actually not bringing new people into their audience. They're not nurturing or conversing with them and therefore, you know, improving that relationship, which means there's no one there at the bottom of that funnel to actually convert into customers. So... Yeah. So the idea is that when you understand what all of your content is doing and how it's hitting those different stages of the funnel, you'll really get to a place where you'll have your Instagram consistently producing content, which will move people through that funnel already. So it's like, you don't really need to think about it. You are consistently capturing the attention of your audience, conversing with them and then converting them.
0: So let's start with the top of the funnel, which is the capture, the first C, if you will. What do we need to do when we're working on this first part?
1: Yeah, so there's a few different elements. The first one I feel like everyone is going to absolutely hate me for saying, but it is the algorithm, the dreaded Instagram algorithm. This is important, unfortunately. Um the Instagram algorithm is important to understand when it comes to you trying to capture the attention of your ideal audience. And that is because the algorithm decides who will see your content, where they're going to see your content and when they're going to see it, right? And there might be some people listening to this some really like avid Instagram users who might be thinking, well, hold on, there are some new um, feed options coming into play and maybe the algorithm won't be as important anymore. So for anyone who doesn't know what those new feed options are, Instagram are slowly rolling out the ability for you to change your home feed so that it's in chronological order. So it's basically gonna mimic what it used to look like pre-2016. And they're also going to give you the opportunity to filter your home feed so that you can only see content from accounts that you have favorited. So accounts that you have specifically marked as one of your favorites, which is really exciting. These are brand new changes. So don't worry if you don't have them yet. They're only just being rolled out. But the thing to know is that even though these changes will come into play this year, you will not be able to save any of these view options as your default. So when you go onto Instagram, The content that you'll see will always be the content that will be organized by the algorithm. So the algorithm is still your key thing that you need to learn how to leverage in order to really get in front of more eyeballs and new people.
0: Okay. So what I'm hearing you say is that these new changes are going to allow the fans, the consumers of Instagram, the people, everyday Mm -hmm. people like us to decide Mm -hmm. to make a choice. And then the Instagram algorithm, how do we prepare for something like this? I guess is the question.
1: Yeah, really, really good question. So first of all, I have a couple of tips that you can actually take away and do today. What's going to help you leverage the algorithm now and also when this change comes into play. So I'll share those tips with you now and then we can also just talk about how to prepare for it because it's such a major change. Like they've not made a change like this to their platform in a long time. So yeah, it's going to be a big one. But in terms of the tips, so One thing that you can do today, what's going to help you actually leverage Instagram's algorithm and get in front of more people is to focus on the popularity of your posts. So one of the signals that Instagram's algorithms look for, and notice I said algorithms plural because there's actually multiple algorithms, but that's conversation for another day. But one of the signals that Instagram's algorithms look for is the popularity of your posts. If it thinks that your post is doing well and it's being well received by your audience, it will push your post out to more people. And that's got what's going to help you get in front of new eyeballs on the explore page and different features like that. So one way that you can help the popularity of your post, it's the most simple tactic, but people always forget about it, is to simply ask your audience to engage with your content. Like my mum always told me, if you don't ask, you do not get... You you literally just need to ask your audience to engage with your post. So replace that call to action that I'm assuming and hoping you normally have in your captions. Replace that for one what just says share this post with someone else who would find this useful, or tag someone who you think would love this, or comment below your thoughts on what I've just said. Literally ask people to engage with your content and to spread the word, and you'll notice that more people will actually do so, and that's going to help drive up the popularity of your post.
0: Nice. When we're in the capture stage and we're trying to, you know, capture attention of our ideal audience, let's talk a little bit about content. What Mm -hmm. kinds of content should we be creating here? Because you kind of alluded earlier that most people are just focused on the convert content Mm -hmm. and they're not focused on the right kinds of content. So what kinds of content ought we produce at this stage of the funnel?
1: Yeah. Amazing. So, First of all, you always want to make sure that your content is targeted and it's being developed with your audience in mind. so this is a constant thing that you always want to ensure you're doing. You should have a real clear view of your audience profile, who they are, how they use the app, and what content they want to see and there's different ways that you can find this out. you can poll your audience you can use your insights to see what content is resonating with them the most, but you really want to make sure that you're remaining kind of in tune and aligned with your audience and what they like. But I'm sure this is something that a lot of people will probably guess I'm going to say when it comes to that top side of the funnel. So when you're really trying to get, you know, new eyeballs and get in front of a new audience, one of the best features you can use is, of course, Instagram Reels. And the reason why it's one of the best features you can use is because the algorithm which powers Reels is very similar to the one which powers the explore page. So the purpose of that algorithm is literally to help people discover new content. And that is why when you post a Reel, you get a lot of reach and you get a lot of people who don't already follow you because the algorithm is designed to have that effect. So that's why people see um, a huge increase in kind of views and stuff when they use Reels. Now, the thing what I will say about Reels is I'm not necessarily in the kind of Reels is life camp. I feel like there's, I like to call them the Reels police. because um, <laughs>
0: Sure, Reels maximalists, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. Because there are like a group of people who have seen such successful reels and it's so amazing to see, and they're amazing at that type of content. Sometimes when I speak to people, they're like, Oh, I don't want to just only post reels and I don't want to post reels every day, but they feel like they have to. And I'm very much in the camp that your whole content strategy should not consist of reels. You should see reels for what they are, and that is a growth driver. So you use them as part of your strategy but they are not the be all and end all. So in the context of my triple C funnel, the reels are good for the top of the funnel, but they're not that great on the other two sides, in the other two sections. Do
0: you have any recommendations of beyond the medium, if you will, which is reels, like the substance of the reels, what kinds of content is capture content? Give me an example maybe or two of some that you or your clients have created, just so people can wrap their head around what kind of content makes sense to be making here at this stage.
1: Yeah, of course. So the two most popular forms of content that you can share for the capture stage is, sorry, I was going to say edutainment.
0: Edutainment. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Edutainment. But it's basically entertaining content and educating content. Those two are the most popular and effective types of content you can create when you're trying to capture the attention of your new audience. And that is because, as I'm sure you can guess, Entertaining content is just super shareable. Entertaining reels, people share it with others all the time. And that's what really helps to get your word out there. And it's similar for educational content as well. People tend to save that content and share it with others who they think will find useful. So my actual Instagram, which is just Jade Beeson on Instagram, you'll see a lot of the educational content. So, a lot of the carousels, a lot of the informative content, which is really designed to help, you know, target my audience's pain points. People like it, they find it useful, and therefore they share it with others, and it helps me to reach a broader audience.
0: What percentage of your content, if this was like a pie, mm. what percentage is going to be the capture stage?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So my current percentage, and this is actually what I recommend my clients incorporate to get started with, but they can move things around as and when they need to. So I usually start with 50% as the capture and then 30% as the converse and 20% as the convert. But if I've got a launch happening or something else is happening in my business, I might move those percentages around and kind of tweak them to accommodate whatever it is that I'm trying to promote.
0: Got it. Perfect. Okay. So we've talked about the capture stage. Let's talk about the converse side of things a little bit. How is this different than the kinds of content we're creating? I think I know the answer, but talk to me a little bit (laughs) about like, what is it about the converse side of things? Cause it's obviously different. And it's going to be a pretty big chunk of the kinds of content you recommend we create, right?
1: Yeah, completely. So this is actually my favorite stage. So the converse stage is really where you nurture that relationship with people and you really bond with people. And it's a common stage that people miss out on. And it's so, so, so vital. You really can't move people through the funnel if you skip over this section. So it's all about bonding with your audience. And there's two main features that I think are perfect for this on Instagram. And that is your stories and your highlights. And the two really go hand in hand.
0: Love it. Keep going.
1: So when it comes to your stories, right, we'll start with your stories. I think the thing to remember with your stories and Instagram in general. So Instagram is a short form content platform, right? Most of the content you consume on Instagram is short form. It's reels or it's, you know, photos. It's all very short with the exception of the odd um, IG video. And whilst that works so well for the platform, what that means is that you are restricted from actually creating content which allows you to really bond with your audience in the way that longer form content on platforms like YouTube allows you to do.
0: Right, I like that. Yeah. yeah.
1: One thing that I've noticed, because I've got both, right? So the YouTube and, and the Instagram. The bond that I have with people who have met me purely through Instagram and nothing else versus the bond that I have with people who I met through YouTube and then Instagram is significantly different.
0: Okay. Why?
1: It's a lot deeper with the YouTube. And that is because on YouTube, I'm sitting and I'm talking to people to a screen, but I'm basically talking to people for, you know, 20 minutes. So during that time, I'm being quite open, I'm being quite real, and I'm being quite authentic. And it means I'm giving people the opportunity to get to know me on a deeper level than you would if you only saw reels and kind of photos from me. You really don't get the opportunity to have that deeper bond.
0: I totally buy that, right? Because on Instagram, you're just flipping through stuff, right? Like Mm. you're seeing it in seconds. And on YouTube... You're watching a video and even if you've got a 10 minute video and you don't watch the whole thing, you're spending many minutes on that one video. Mm -hmm. And it's the only thing that you're focused on, Mm -hmm. which is kind of cool. Now, there is a part of me that says, well, what about live? You know, you could accomplish Mm -hmm. this with live. Could you not on Instagram?
1: Yeah, of all the features, the only ones that I feel like you can really do this for is I think you could do it on your stories. You can do it on your lives and then IG video, but mostly when you're repurposing a live because otherwise your IG videos tend to be quite polished and then they don't have the same kind of raw element to them. But yeah, you can definitely do it on your lives as well. But in terms of like an everyday method for you to use or feature for you to use, your stories is a really great opportunity for you to create some longer form content and really bring people behind the scenes and bond with your audience in a way that you're not able to with a lot of the other features on Instagram. So that's why I see stories as being such an important part of the converse stage of the Triple C funnel.
0: Talk to us about some suggested techniques or creation tips to create conversations, if you will, with stories.
1: Yeah, for sure. So the simple act of showing your face or a face, which I'm sure people have heard before, it's something that a lot of people preach when it comes to Instagram. But the truth remains that people like to bond with people. So the more human you can make your account or your business, the better. So showing a face is a great way to do this. Doing things like doing a tour of your office or of your factory of your studio, doing a meet and greet with the team who works behind the scenes, doing takeovers like a day in the life of you know our marketing coordinator, showing the behind the scenes of how you create a product or develop a new service, doing a and a box or using the interactive features on stories to actually open a dialogue and speak with your audience. These are all different tactics that you can use on your stories, which are just going to allow you to bond more with your audience.
0: So... When we say converse, to me, it sounds like one-to-one, but it doesn't sound like it has to be one-to-one if you are kind of talking directly to, you know, the camera. Yeah. So talk to me. Does the converse stage require a lot of private DMs or what's your thoughts on that? Talk to me a little bit through that.
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. So I don't believe that your converse stage has to consist of purely one-to-one communications. I think you completely... You know, nailed it there with what you just said. The converse stage is about you conversing with your audience. So it's about you using the different features that you have available to you. So, you know, whether it's your lives or your stories to open up and, you know, open a dialogue with your audience, whether or not they respond to you. Because remember, not everyone in your audience is going to actually want to send DMs back and forth with you or even respond to your story Q&A and that's okay you've got to make sure you're creating content which still feels like you're conversing directly to those people who might not want to send you a direct message right you still want to make sure you're creating content which feels like you're opening up a dialogue to those people in a way that's really raw and authentic by showing your face talking to the camera. Because when you consume that content, and I'm sure you'll probably agree, when you consume content where people are talking directly to you and it feels like they're talking to you, it does feel like you're opening up that dialogue and it does feel like, you know, you're bonding a bit more.
0: What about all the businesses listening right now? And I know people have been thinking this, well, I work for the brand, but they won't let me show up on camera, right? Or our Mm -hmm. brand only posts, you know, those questions, but there's no human being behind it. Are they doomed? Should they go to their boss and say, hey, Jade Beeson said that you should let me <laughs> show up on stories a little bit. Let's see if we get better engagement. You know, What's your reaction to that?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's such a good question. So I will use this as a real world example. Okay, so as I mentioned at the start, I've had a lot of businesses which didn't work. The ones that worked, I showed my face. And I'm not saying that is the only reason why these businesses works Like there's a lot of other strategies that I put into place. But one thing that I do think really helped was that I got in front of the camera and I showed my face. So people knew who was running these businesses, who was packing their orders, who was doing all that stuff. And I think it really helped me to form a deeper relationship with my audience and really move them through that funnel. So for anyone who is thinking that, and they're like, well, we don't, you know, we don't show our face here. I would urge you just to potentially, you know, I don't mind if you want to bring me up and blame it on me, but you can potentially open up.
0: Yeah. Run a trial. It's only for 24 hours, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Just bring it up in the next meeting and see where you get to, because I am pretty confident in saying that it's going to make a big difference if you do get You know, a face. It doesn't have to be the person who manages the account. It can be anyone. It can be multiple people. You know, those takeovers that I mentioned, where you do a day in the life of a specific colleague or a specific department, like those work super well. So it doesn't have to be one person and it doesn't have to be the person managing the account, but I would encourage you to get a face in front of the camera from time to time.
0: Well, and I can imagine where you could go to your CEO, and I'm the CEO of my company, and you could say, hey, Pull out your iPhone and just answer these couple of questions and Dropbox it to me, right? And then Mm -hmm. upload it. It'll slice it up if it's longer than 15 seconds, right? And bada boom, and they can make it pretty and tag it and all that stuff. And you're off to the races, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And you could do it. You could batch create it because people forget you can batch create story content as well.
0: Can you schedule it?
1: Yeah. So you can't schedule it. You can save it, but you can actually just sit down and capture a bunch of content pieces to camera and seed it out over the next few weeks so that you don't have to consistently be recording and capturing footage every day.
0: What about the highlights? What should we choose to save to our highlight?
1: So highlights. I feel like people tend to sleep on highlights a little bit, but they're super important because if you think about it, you're spending all of this time and effort creating these amazing stories. So saying you've gotten used to this and you're showing your face and you're creating this really raw authentic content and you're getting a really great response. But majority of the people who see your story content are people who follow you. And it's not exclusively people who follow you, but it's the broad majority. Whereas you are going to be getting a lot of people who will be visiting your page for the first time because you've done that capture stage of the funnel. And when that happens, if you've got your highlights up and they're well curated, you've got an opportunity for these new people to look at that content and instantly form a connection with you, one that they would not have had the opportunity to form with you if you did not have any highlights up there previously.
0: I love that. So you should be selective about putting up the right kinds of highlights so that mm-hmm. someone who comes to your profile will watch them and then decide to, you know, follow you and ultimately engage with you, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, the highlights that I always love to recommend and it depends on your brand and if it suits you, but I feel like a start here, highlight is always great.
0: Ooh, I like that.
1: Yeah, it's literally called a Start here Highlight. So it's just you showing your face if you're willing to do so, introducing who you are, making sure whatever you're saying is really tailored to your audience so that your audience instantly know that you create content for them and you're in the right place. And it's your opportunity just to be quite relaxed, show a bit Of your personality. And then also you can talk about what it is that you offer as a service or a product and also the type of content that they can expect to see from you on your page. So it's almost like a bit of a pitch, but you don't want it to feel like a pitch. You don't want it to feel too intense, but it's your opportunity to be like, Hey, I know that you're considering following me. Well, let me tell you why you should and why you're in the right place.
0: That's awesome. Do you recommend putting that in the very first highlight slot, if you will?
1: Yeah. And highlights are always a bit tricky because of the way they're ordered. So you have to keep it up to date because otherwise it's going to get lost.
0: Ah, uh, got it. Which is
1: quite frustrating. Yeah. I'm hoping Instagram changed that soon. It's a bit annoying.
0: <laughs> so at this point, if we followed the capture and the converse side of things, according to your methodology here, we should be set up for having some super fans who ultimately want to convert. Am I right? Yeah. And if so, let's talk about the last part of your process.
1: Yeah, totally. So this is super exciting because you have now gotten to the point where you should have a group of people who are primed and prepped to be converted to an advocate. These people who are like they get who you are, they get what your brand's about, they're really, you know, vibing with your whole page. So this is your opportunity to really convert them. So there's a couple of different things you can do here and the first one, because I think it's the most powerful, is to do with your direct messages. And this can be a bit of a dangerous place, direct messages, because um, <laughs> there's a lot of people who don't use them correctly. I'm on the receiving end of a lot of those messages. And there's a few rules that I always follow when it comes to direct messaging your audience. And The rules are basically consisting of you ensuring that whatever message you're sending to your audience has been written and shared with no expectations and no strings attached. So you want to write a message to whoever's just followed you or someone who's just engaged with your content. You want to reach out to them and just thank them and say something nice about the content that they've created. So take the time out to visit their page, find a piece of content that you've resonated with and say, thanks so much for following or for engaging. Love that post you shared about XYZ. I thought it was super, super insightful and just leave it at that. So it shouldn't be anything where you're asking them a question. It shouldn't be anything where you're sharing a link, you are asking them to buy from you or to sign up to something. It should be a message which garners the response of, oh, that was nice.
0: And obviously this is not scalable after a certain size, I would imagine. Oh right? no.
1: This is a small technique that you do when you're just starting out. Yeah, And it's one that i done in the beginning, which really helped me nurture a lot of my initial followers. And it's people who I still remember now. And they're people who are part of my membership clubs and they've really have truly become advocates of my brand. So that's something that you want to do in the beginning, as much as you can, for as long as you can. And even when you get big, there's, Still so much value in spending 20 minutes during the day, going through your recent post, finding people who are engaging with you on a regular basis and just reaching out to them and thanking them.
0: Okay, cool. I like that too. So that means you can just see people who are leaving comments or people who mm. have been DMing you a lot and then just going and checking them out and letting them know that you see them, right? Mm. That's a way of them essentially saying, wow, that was kind of cool, right?
1: Yeah, exactly and that links to another point i was going to say just about engagement and always making sure that you are not just hoping to receive engagement from people but you're actually going out there and engaging with others and to your point little secret tip that i actually do i actually keep an eye on my comments and i find people who are responding and sharing their you know really great comments on my content on a regular basis and i actually save them so i go on their page and i save one of their posts and I save them to a folder of my advocates. And I purposely spend a specific amount of time every day purely engaging with my advocates so that they always know that I am not just sitting here, you know, lapping up all their praise, but I'm also making an effort to consume their content and support their content as well.
0: I love that. I don't think enough people do that. And... Mm. It'd be great if there were tools that told you, hey, this person has engaged a lot with your stuff. They're an advocate. Mm-hmm. There probably are tools like that. Do you know if there are or no?
1: Yeah. So actually, I use one called Agora Pulse. Okay. And it's like a all-in-one kind of social media management tool. And one of the main reasons why I use it is because they do have a section, which I think they call your fans. And they basically just show people who have engaged with you quite a lot in recent weeks. Very cool. Mm-hmm.
0: Jade, we have just scratched the surface of what's possible here. I could go another hour with you. (laughs) Where can people discover more about you and where can they find you on Instagram?
1: Yeah, totally. So you can discover more about me at jadebeeson.com forward slash S-M-E. So Jade Beeson is spelled J-A-D-E. B-E-A-S-O-N. And that's also my YouTube name and my Instagram name. But if you head to jadebeeson.com forward slash SME, you will get links to my social channels as well as a bunch of free masterclasses and workbooks. I even have one specifically on Instagram's algorithm where I dive deep into it. So if you're interested in that, then I recommend checking that out because I think you'd find it really useful.
0: Sweet jadebeeson.com slash SME. Jade, on behalf of all of my listeners, thank you so much for sharing your insights and wisdom. I know that I've got a bunch of notes and I'm going to have my team listen to this right away. Thank you.
1: <laughs> thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun.
0: Hey, if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 496. And if you're new to the show, be sure to follow us. If you've been a long time listener, would you let your friends know about this show? I'm at Stelzner on Instagram. That's S-T-E-L-Z-N-E-R. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelsner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. If you're like so many fellow marketers and creators and entrepreneurs, you're probably wondering, how do I put AI to work? Well, be sure to listen to the AI Explored podcast, a new show from Social Media Examiner hosted by yours truly, Michael Stelzner. Again, check out the AI Explored podcast.